Welcome to Nerds the Roundtable, a podcast on a quest for quality pop culture. I'm Jamie. I'm Dwayne. And I'm Sammy. And on this episode, we're reviewing one of Sammy's picks. Sammy? Yes. What are we reviewing? All right. So, once again, as, as I've said, we're my nostalgia is showing, gentlemen. I'm sorry. Um, and what essentially we're doing is we're traveling once again back to one of the most fabulous decades of movies, music, fashion, <laughs> and hair. Right, Jamie? Uh, but so uh, we're doing 19... I'd take any hair at this point. Amen. Uh, 1984, The Last Starfighter, hailed as a classic in a lot of circles. So will it be a classic at the round table, gentlemen? I can't wait to talk about this movie with you guys. There's so many directions it could go. <laughs> a couple of times I, I, had, I had to stop the movie and I was like, I wonder how they're going to take this. <laughs> well, before we, we, we go in all those directions, I think we need to keep it 100. It's time to keep it 100. 100. 100. 100. And I'm leading off keeping it 100. And guys, I've got a problem. It's called Just huge, huge Audiobooks. I've started another one. I know uh, last time I was talking about the, the Once and Future King. This week, I'm uh, delving into the Silmarillion. J.R.R. Tolkien's omnibus, Anchor of Middle-Earth, huge thing uh, i'm just a little bit into this and um i just started it today and uh, i'm really really loving the way that he's using that the they created the world with music and they uh, they all sung in, in in accord with each other and how the the one kept you know, bringing his own tune and bringing discord. That's really interesting, but I'm, I'm so interested to see how this, this goes along. It's going to be interesting for what I've listened to so far, but uh, it's always something I wanted to delve into. And it's like about a million and a half hours audiobook. <laughs> so, uh, uh, J.R.R. Tolkien's uh, the Silmarillion. Uh, and I you know, I, I've never finished it. <laughs> <laughs> I've read it once. I've read through it completely. Oh, but wow. there's a a lot of talk that maybe we could see pieces of that move into the Amazon Lord of the Rings series. Yeah. So I've, yeah, I've heard that. Dealing with the first or second age, maybe. So Well, the only time I've seen them import stuff from the Silmarillion into uh movies was when they did atrocities in the Hobbit movies. <laughs> <laughs> so, yep. well, we're not going to talk about that so <laughs> let's move on yeah well i'm up next and i think my timer started okay i'm pitching a strange one um i'm in the middle of my clone wars uh not, not rewatch first watch so there's not a lot going on that's not clone wars but i did find time this week to watch triple frontier and it's a netflix original movie and the cast is what got me to watch it so we've got ben affleck Oscar Isaac, Pedro Pascal, Charlie Hunnam, and Garrett he H Headland. I can't say his last name. Um, 
all being these ex-military veteran type guys. And so we've got that the five guys in the main cast, and they're doing some interesting performances there. Uh, ben Affleck's mostly asleep. Everybody else has showed up. <laughs> really. <laughs> ben Affleck's cashing a check. Everybody else is acting. Um, but there's some interesting performances there, and Pedro Pascal and Oscar Isaac especially shine in this movie. Um, it has the feel of like a sophisticated version of a dozen movies I saw as a kid in the 80s. Uh, it has that 80s action movie thing going on, but with, you know, it's a little more, <laughs> you need a few more brain cells to enjoy it. Um, and there's some, some more thought behind it. So it's like, it, be, it sort of begins as a sort of interesting look at uh, what happens to veterans like on their post military career. Um, and then and there's one of the characters who can't seem to escape. Um, he keeps getting pulled back into doing like mercenary work or contract work. And he ends up pulling the other four guys in, and they end up making some really interesting and questionable decisions that lead to more and more uh, situations they get put in. And it's a pretty fun ride with sort of a, a really thought-provoking end. And so it's a, it's a pretty good flick. I, I, would, I would recommend it. Triple Frontier. Hmm. You know, and I think what Oscar Isaac and Pedro Pascal are like really good buddies. They're good friends, I believe. So. I, I, it wouldn't shock me. I'm the, way, the way they interacted on... on in the movie. I mean, it, it felt really natural. Cool. All right, gentlemen. So I will start. And, um, you know, on our 2021 preview episode, I discussed the book, The Last Days of John Lennon by James Patterson. And I did get a copy for Christmas and I finished it this past week. Um, and I was really, really surprised. You know, I, as a long time Beatles fan and John Lennon fan, I kept wondering what what can James Patterson bring to this story that that that's been, had countless books, um, but he did a really good job. He brought in a lot of things I didn't know. He connected the Beatles history to the history of things going on in the United States in Britain. So there was that that historical connection. Um, it showed Lennon's connection to people like Abby Hoffman and Jerry Rubin from the Chicago Seven uh, with the riots and stuff like that. Even he had a he had a good relationship with Geraldo Rivera of all people. Um, so it was the, in this you know as far as New York community and James Taylor and it talked about the first time he met Bowie and all this stuff's in there. But then you've got this interplay between chapters or groups where you get almost um, ideas of the mind from Mark David Chapman and what Chapman was doing and what Chapman was planning leading up to the assassination. So it got dark in a lot of places. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you're a Beatles fan, a Lennon fan, Patterson does a really good job with this. So I would check out uh, Last Days of John Lennon. So. Nice. Interesting. Just, just as a snobby writer question, how many, how many authors' names are on the cover of the book? Uh, just the one. Okay. So, so James Patterson actually wrote a book for for a change. But there is, there's probably twenty pages of informational text that he's quoted from, and articles that that he gets his information from. So there probably could have been forty other writers, maybe. So uh, most James Patterson books these days have like. At least he gives his ghostwriters credit. <laughs> right. It's like, it'll say James Patterson, the big names like underneath it'll have like another name. Like, oh, that person wrote this book. Okay. 
But it, no. but it was inter- the book was interesting. Uh, you know, I didn't know as much about Mark David Chapman and his side of that story. And it was strange in places. Hmm. So interesting. Yep. All right. All right. I think it's time to get back to the last starfighter with our opening thoughts and grades here. Um, and I get to go first. And same thing as this week on Graphic Novel. I kind of wish I wasn't going first because I'm, I'm dying to hear what you guys think. <laughs> um, I'm going to go A minus. And honestly, this movie was better than I remembered. Um, I remember liking this movie as a kid, but I kind of I, I had the suspicion that when we went back to it with adult eyes, this was just going to be a Star Wars ripoff. Um, and I kind of like, oh yeah, Alex is just going to be Luke and it's going to be blah, 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 blah. I just, that's all I thought we were going to have. I had a blast. I had a great time. It's got flaws and it's, it's, there's dated stuff. It's hard to go back to. Um, but I had, a, I had such a good time. I, I felt like there was some, I mean, it's not subtle, but I felt like there's some thematic stuff in there that was pretty interesting that I, I didn't expect to be there. So I'm, I'm going A minus. I had a blast. Mm, awesome. Well, you, you know, as far as me, you know, I think when you when you watch The Last Starfighter, it's definitely a movie of its time period. You know, it takes you back to that moment when digital effects were not the norm. You know, the, where everything was still, you know, even think about ILM at this point was still doing stop motion and compositing. Um, this was the first movie that really kind of started to push digital effects. Was it great? No, but you know, it's 1984. Come on. Um, but you know, I really think there's a classic tale here. You know, you get, you know, like you said, with star Wars, the young boy who wants to leave home, wants that adventure. You've got the girl he loves. You've got the good versus evil. And, and I think the last starfighter can easily get lost maybe in that wave of, space opera slash small town science fiction that we get from that time. Um, but I think it holds a place in the hearts of, of the people who grew up with it. And I think it can still resonate with audiences today. So um, this is not just a nostalgia grade. I gave it an A. So not A plus, but an A. Well, Mr. Dwayne. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Um, okay. Well, you know, I was, <laughs> I was very, very uh, trepidatious going into this movie. I was scared to death. I, I, I was so afraid because I remembered Lady Hawk. And I remembered liking Lady Hawk as a youngster. And I remembered not very much not liking Lady Hawk with, with this most recent watch through. I watched this movie. Uh, I, I went ahead and I said, you know, I'm going to purchase this. And I, and I purchased uh, the digital copy of it. I pulled that trigger and I'm sitting there watching it. And I'm like, you know, this is good. It's all right. It's okay. You know, and I, I had such fond memories. It's, it's a good movie. It's a good movie. The characters are developed. Like, like you said, you know, the, I love the little community in the trailer park. You know, you, you, each each of his little neighbors there are, are, you you know, Granny. You know, 
you know, the, the crazy lady who, who has to have her soaps, uh, her powers out. She has to have her soaps. So it's got to come and fix it. And you know, you, you know, these people, you, you, so you immediately feel at home, you know, you know, the, you know, the old wiser neighbor, you know, the black gentleman, you know, these people. Uh, so, you know, that immediately puts you at home and you know, this kid who wants much more and bigger in this great universe. You know, the story's told well. The effects, you know, they are what they are. It's the 80s. Uh, the hair is what it is. The uh, storytelling, the acting uh, is is very uneven. Uh, you have, you know, almost the Shakespearean actors, you know, alongside, you know, just, just straightforward uh, 80s teenager movie actors. Um, and it, you know, but it works. It works good. But you know, I, I couldn't really see this movie soaring to the stars like I remembered it soaring. So I, I had a great time watching it. It was it was so relieving to know, you know. But this wasn't an, an A movie for me. It's 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 above average. Uh, so I'm I'm going with a B, a, a solid B. Solid Millen B, but I, I, I had a, you know, I was relieved. I had, you know, fond memories of a decent movie, and that's and that's what it was. And I'm glad that it stayed that way. Well, when I finished this, uh, Amazon Prime recommended that I watch Explorers next. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> I am even more terrified to rewatch that than I was my Starfire. <laughs> There's no chance that's good. Yeah, that's going to be that's going to be a that's going to be an adventure right there. <laughs> that's going to be an adventure right there. But you know, I, I don't know where that trailer park was. It seemed like it was in kind of a high desert. Uh, may, maybe got warm, so I'm sure there was some. You know, the old ladies had some fans in those little mobile homes there. So guys, let's go get our fans for this movie. Graphically Novel. Three brothers tackle a different graphic novel each week. Listen as the brothers Fugit discuss classic and not-so-classic graphic novels. Subscribe now on your podcast feed of choice. Graphically Novel. Three brothers who like each other but love comics. It was near the city, though. You could go to City College. That's City College. (laughs) City College. (laughs) Oh, okay, gents. So, um... I guess I'm going to kind of start our fans here, you know, and I think when I first thought about this movie and I first introduced it and just said, you know, we need to do this, you know, I had that, like we talked about that nostalgia that I remember seeing this movie and loving it, you know, and, and it is just what it is. This is a popcorn movie. You know, Mm -hmm. it knows what it is. It doesn't try to get out of that box and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, uh, Nick Hassel and Jonathan Betchel, you know, they, they bring this strong, straightforward story. And it's sort of refreshing. We get this little bit of a wish fulfillment thing with the whole arcade culture of the 80s. We get a lot of those science fiction tropes that that we're all used to, you know, that we know was was really kind of, you know, goes all the way back to the hero myth and all that stuff. It, it all ties back. But but. I just think this movie is what it is and it just, it does what it does. And I love that. Yeah. Yeah. You, 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 that's, that's pretty much the, the movie. It, it, it is what it is. Knows what it is. Yeah. Uh, my fan. I want a gun star. 
That's that's my fan. Yeah, I I want I, I want to go into it. I love the design of the uh, of the spaceship. I love I love that so much, and uh, I love the development that they put into the characters. You know, and and especially the Earth side of it uh, was was really strong to me. But yeah, my biggest fan. I want a good star. Who is surprised that Dwayne picked a spaceship? (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Um, Mine was that this movie was more um, thematically interesting than I expected, or that I remembered. Um, Of course, I was I was very young uh, when I was watching this on (laughs) almost constant repeat on TBS for a while there. Um. But my, my favorite thing that they kept referring back to was the, the humble origins that everybody had. Because the main characters are Alex and Maggie. And they're, they're both, you know, at their, you know, growing up in the trailer park. I mean, and they've sort of um, been shaped by that differently. Alex needs desperately to escape. And Maggie's afraid to leave. And, and they keep circling back to that. I mean, it's at the beginning of the movie. It, it's referenced throughout. And at the end, it's sort of the, the big climax of the movie. And I, I love that theme that, you know, that you're, you're not doomed by your past. Um, and I just, I just, I really felt that. And I felt like it was really intentional. It wasn't just like the setup. I mean, it, this was an intentional thing because the way they kept going back to it. And uh, I just, you know, I, I love that. I, I felt it, you know, <laughs> uh, but we even see it in, in Maggie too. I mean, Maggie's, you know, she's afraid to even admit at first that she is. And at the end, so one of the one of the big emotional climaxes of the movie is when she she's going to let Alex leave without her. She's so afraid to leave. She is so trapped by her path that she cannot leave. And at the last second, she even breaks loose of her path. She breaks free of her humble origins and moves on to a to an adventure. Um, and I, I love that that even at the end, in a small way, it inspires Lewis. Right? Lewis leaves the celebration. The spaceship isn't even out of the atmosphere. He's ran to the arcade so he can play the game so he okay. can escape too. You know, he's inspired by it to aim higher and to aim for more. Um, I just I found this to be shockingly and strangely inspiring. <laughs> I was so so surprised to find that in this movie. I didn't remember. I just I just remembered the aliens. I remember the spaceships. I remembered like the dude with the weird, you know, scepter. I remembered that stuff. I didn't remember all this other thematic stuff in it. So I was, I was impressed and surprised. Okay. And apparently, I like it was just it. No, <laughs> no, no, no. It really had. Uh, this movie really did have a little bit of depth once you got into it. You know, like I say, with the characters, uh, they were they were developed. They knew what they were. Um, I, I I didn't feel so strongly about the alien characters, but. Uh, you know, your Earthbound characters, you know, Maggie, you know, they really knew what they were Lewis. You know, they, they were fleshed out, thought through characters. Yeah, I mean, Alex and Maggie make the story work. I mean, as far right. as like the, the adventure stuff, we need Grig for that. We need Centauri, all that kind of stuff. But like the, the characters who have arcs and development that, that make us care about them are Alex and Maggie. And I, and I feel yeah. like they, re- they really landed that. Yeah. Yeah, they truly did. Do you have anything to say, Sam? You know, and and just, I I do agree though. I I think there, there is a depth to it, you know, and, and, um, on the DVD copy I have, there were a couple making of documentaries that I watched on it. And Jonathan Betchell was talking about how, 
you know, there's a classic story here. It's the story, the story that he wanted to kind of give the trappings of the, of the time period, but there's a classic story here. And he wanted to kind of take that classic story and give it a, a, a modern twist, a modern spin. So, and I think you see that even in the Excalibur references, the sword, you know, the Excalibur sword that that's in the logo and stuff for the Starfighters. Mm-hmm. So I think that there's definitely an almost like a Lancelot type of character that we get with Alex. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, and even Ar- Arthur himself, because I mean, Arthur, mm-hmm. I mean, it depends on, <laughs> depends on which version you're reading, of course. Uh, <laughs> but in, in most versions, I mean, he, he's been lost. He He's not raised by Uther. I mean, he's not, I mean, he's, mm-hmm. you know, raised, uh, I think mostly... What's that guy's name? Is it Boars that raises him? I forget which no. not raises him now. Hector. Hector, yeah. But he's he's you know, he's this little stable boy kind of guy. He's you know, he's not important. He pulls the sword from the stone, and it's him that puts together, you know, he pulls all the warring little tribes together and builds a kingdom out of it. That's what Alex is doing. He's this kid from nowhere who discovers that suddenly he pulls the sword out of an arcade machine, but then he's the one that's rebuilding the Starfighter, you yeah. know, Armada and rebuilding the empire out there. So yeah. Because I think even in the Disney movie, Arthur doesn't doesn't isn't even a squire. He's just you know, go get me a sword, boy, you know, kind of deal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, very much so. In it's hard to be definitive of Arthurian stuff because there's so many different. Yes. <laughs> yep. Well, with all of those trailers around, I'm sure when the wind blew through there, it sounded like our bag of pans that we're getting ready to go get. Alrighty. Well, I'm leading off with the uh, the pan section, and uh, my pan. I never got a gun star. I know you're doing a bit right now, but that is a really cool looking spaceship. I mean, 80s yeah. graphics and all. It's a cool design. Yeah, isn't that a cool looking ship? Yeah, it, it really is. is. But yeah, yeah, I'm doing my little, I'm doing my little spaceship bit. But yeah, I wanted a gun star, but I never got a gun star. Uh, but yeah, my pen um, would be, you know, aside from Greg, would be the aliens. They really look like something off Saturday Night Live that they were just trying to make. You know, they 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 did not land with me any, uh, especially the good guy aliens, the the bad guy aliens. You know, kind of lizard looking, just weird. But the the, the aliens did not land with me. So that's. Yeah, aside from not getting a gun store, yeah, I'm just the aliens. You, you do realize the only difference between A New Hope and this movie in terms of aliens is lighting. Yeah. <laughs> Drop the low light in the cantina and, you know, raise the lights in the cantina and you get the same thing on Tatooine. That's, that's why the bar is dark. That's why the bar is dark. That's why they went to all those aliens in the bar and not on the bridge of a spaceship. That's true. <laughs> well, spoilers for later. We're gonna we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about the practical effects in this movie a little bit. <laughs> okay, my 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 pan is is kind of a pan, um, and, and kind of a fan. So the score is really really good. I think it's a really strong score. It it, it rises to all the mo- moments it's supposed to rise to. But they owe John Williams money. It's a ripoff. 
it's an absolute ripoff of the first Star Wars score. Yeah. I mean, especially when Alex is getting his like award at the end, he's getting his. I mean, it's the it's the trophy scene. They it's the same music. I mean, Vanilla Ice thinks they ripped him off. I mean, it's bad. <laughs> it's just the Star Wars score. It doesn't just feel like Star Wars. It is the Star Wars score. There's like one note or two missing is all. It's crazy. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to give you guys a little bit of spoilers behind my scenes here. Um, I did get to watch this movie at home on the big TV. And uh, my my kids saw, I guess, the era, the time frame, you know, the hair and the clothes and stuff. And they're like, okay, I'm out. You know, they're, 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 they're tapping out. And then... When the space stuff starts happening, my youngest comes to the house and he's like, this looks a lot like Star Wars, <laughs> but it's not Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. There's even a trench run. Yeah. Yeah. That was a, that was a little much. <laughs> they even hide in an asteroid. Yeah. You know, I mean, they, when they're when they're doing the award ceremony at the end, I mean, the score is so close to Star Wars. I'm mad again that Chewie didn't get a medal. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that pulled me out of it too a couple times. Is when it was when you know that music swells and you're like, okay, <laughs> you know. And and my middle my middle child who is really into Star Wars, he comes to and says, "This is like Star Wars," but the. Tie fighters are the good guys because that looks more like a tie fighter. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, you know I, the 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 score's good, but I, I know what you're talking about. You got a lot of th- those beats in here, and this is post Jedi's. What's the funny thing? Yeah. So, and and you feel like they're really channeling a new hope. <laughs> so, <laughs> All right, as far as Pan, um, I'm going to be honest. I have no major pans for this movie. Um, I think if I was panning, I would feel like I was throwing shade on a movie from 1984 through the lens of the 21st century. You know, I think that that's where a lot of this comes into. And I think, I think all three of us are kind of nitpicking because it's like, well, let's, we've got to find a pan, you know, kind of deal. Um, I guess if I had to, to pick a certain knit, the, um, Funky Scepter that you guys mentioned looked like it belonged in Conan the Barbarian, not outer space. Um, that sucker looked something like James Earl Jones's snake priest guy would be carrying as opposed to. <laughs> Didn't Wilt Chamberlain in the Conan the Destroyer have a, have a mace that looked a lot he, like that? A lot yeah, like that. Yes, yeah. he did. That he did. So, Wilt Chamberlain and Grace Jones. Yes. But uh, I just felt like that was when he's like, that's my scepter. I'm like, that looks oh, way out of place. Oh, that's Will Chamberlain's scepter, bro. <laughs> no, no, that's Will. <laughs> that the prop department. <laughs> that's Will the stilts. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you want to give us some awards? Let's go for it. Take a trip down memory lane to the old five and dime where Sammy, a.k.a. Comic Book Kid, takes a look at the origin of some of our favorite heroes and villains in his podcast, One Thin Dot, focusing on the golden and silver ages of comics when the cover price was just 10 cents. Check him out every week 
on your podcast feed of choice, One Thin Dime. All right, first out of the gate is Best Performance. And I'm going to go with Lance Guest. Uh, He played Alex. And, I mean, he had to be the center of this movie, and he had to do the beta role as well as Alex. Um, And he did did a really good job of being that sort of every man with potential. And... um, you know, he, sort of the, the, the reluctant hero he had to do. Because, I mean, he tried to quit a whole bunch of times <laughs> and did quit twice. Um, but, you know, but you always kind of like, you understood where he was coming from. You, 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 you sort of sympathized with him. Um, and, you know, he, he nailed the role. I mean, it's, it's not, he, he didn't win an Oscar and he shouldn't have. But, like, but he nailed, he, he did what he needed to do for this movie to work. And he did it very well. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Jamie, uh, 100%. Uh, Lance Guest is my choice. Uh, I wrote down here specifically the beta role. You know, because, and, and I remember him, and I looked at his filmography, and he wasn't in as many heroic movies as I remember him being in. Maybe I just seen them multiple times. But, uh, it, you know, being the, the classic hero, he, he pulled it off, he pulled it off well, but. Being the beta character, I, I felt like he was really uh, channeling you know, a whole different uh, character than he wasn't used to playing. And he'd done it well, and he sold it well. And I love the humor that he brings out there uh, with, his other, <laughs> with his other guys, uh, you know, so straight forward you know earnest good guy hero you know he, he's just so confused i don't know she we went and looked at the stores and she stuck her tongue in my ear you know go to sleep lewis you're having a bad dream you know <laughs> when he's got his head on the desk <laughs> just just all the great stuff there but yeah i really enjoyed his portrayal of the beta you know i guess we're three for three guys Um, And I think it was that idea that he had to play these two very different characters. Um, You know, Alex was your, your classic hero character, you know, like, like Jamie talked about that, that unwilling hero at first. And then you've got beta that brings so much humor. Um, Jamie, you were talking about the, the, the scene where he said, do you want me to laugh? And, and did you notice how bad his hair looked in a few of those scenes? That was a wig. Okay. That was a wig. What had happened was when they tested this movie with audiences, they really liked beta. And so they brought Lance Guest back to do some pickup shots. Well, when they brought him back for pickup shots, he had already done another movie and they had cut all his hair off. He was also suffering from an awful cold. And so... The whole t- when they're in the truck, that's a wig. You look, his eyes look puffy. He looks awful. He's got a cold. That's a wig on those. But uh, yeah, but just even the that back and forth with Lewis, you know, it was just great. You know, that was just fun. So yeah, Lance guest for me also. Okay, Sam, won't you roll into next scene there for us? All right, so best scene. You know, this is kind of one of those I went back and forth on a little bit because there's a lot of those really good, strong scenes. And, um, you know, I almost kind of used this as my quote, and then I flipped it up to a scene because there's an exchange between Alex and Grig that um, 
really cracks me up and it has become my favorite scene. Uh, and this is when, um, basically Grig tells him there are no starfighters left. He's the last one. And Alex exclaims one gun star against an Amada or an Amada. And Grig replies, I've always wanted to fight a desperate battle against incredible odds. (laughs) 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 See, it just makes me laugh. So yeah, that's going to be mine. Uh, my, I'm going to cheat. Um, this is easy. Um, we've already referenced it. Every scene with Beta in it is the best scene. <laughs> uh, <laughs> pickups, weird wigs, puffy eyes, I don't care. Every, every scene with Beta in it is the best scene. Yeah. Yeah, you're not necessarily wrong. Uh, Beta is a really strong character, a really great light and foil for this movie. It uh, makes it so much more fun. I feel, but as I was younger, I remember the space battle so much more. I wonder why. I guess this is where my my, my fascination comes from. But, you know, video games, spaceships, space fights, 10-year-old me, it's just perfection. So I'm going to go with the the last uh, Starfighter battle there uh, when they're attacking the command ship as it crosses over. And he does the... uh, what was the the death blossom death flower? A death yeah, blossom. Death, That's what yes, it was. Yeah, like the, yeah. Um, at the end, I, that was such. Uh, I mean, I lived for that as a, as a child uh, watching this. I loved it. It's. I I I'd, I'd misremembered the balance of this movie. I'd forgotten how much time was spent at the trailer park. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It was a lot. It was very 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 earth heavy. You know, for such a space yeah. movie. You know, and like you said, you know, the balance to me my memory was way off, but you know that the trailer park was so strong. It, it carried it through greatly. Yeah, it really did. Yeah. But that, uh, death blossom scene, they actually spun him around that. It was actually <laughs> like a equal type thing and they were spinning him. <laughs> so. Wow. Oh, that's great. I love it. So, well, yeah, I thought he looked a little bit dizzy, but I thought that was just good acting. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Dwayne, what's your best character? Well, um, Grig. I love the character of Grig. The uh, you know the older, grizzled navigator. Uh, you know he, he's kind of uh, Alex's bridge into this alien community, this new alien world. He's his mentor for being a starfighter. He's, uh, you know, keeps the ship running. Um, and you know, Dan O. Hardy, Harthy. I remember this character as I was, when I was younger and I guess it's just this age skewed age thing. I remember him being almost Shakespearean in his wisdom <laughs> and, and knowledge, uh, to, to Alex there. When I, you know, and when I was watching this, I'm like, not quite so much, but he still did a really great job. You know, I, I love the character. It was, it was fun. And you know, with the, with the turtle shell on his head, it was, yeah. it was really cool. <laughs> just a cool I'm, design. I'm with you, man. I, I've got Greg too. I just love that guy. I, I love that dude, man. I love his dry sense of humor. I love the, just the wild embrace of the danger and just, you know, the, the heroic nature of who he is. I love, I love his mannerisms. The speech patterns, that crazy, dry, wheezing laugh thing he does. <laughs> <laughs> I love it all. Greg is the best. Yeah. It's going to be a slaughter. That's the spirit. 
<laughs> no, no, man. <laughs> well, you know, it, it, once again, guys, I mean, we're three for three. I mean, Grig is, is definitely that character that he just, even despite the fact that, that he's an alien, he is still relatable. He's likable. You know, you, you want a Grig as your friend, you know, that kind of thing. You know, you want that kind of buddy that just has that zest for life. And I loved even, you know, when, when at the end, when they return to the trailer park, Grig has such respect because of his respect for Alex, the respect for these people and, you know, shaking hands and, and, and you know, saluting them, you know, in, in a way to show that that deference to them. And I just I just think that makes this character so endearing, you know, and, and it's kind of like Han and Chewie in some ways, you know, the Falcon's not going to fly with just Han, you know, Alex c- can shoot. But you got to have Grig to be able to pilot. And I think that that makes him a very important character to this. So here we go. Our next award is best quote, and uh, we haven't talked much about Centauri. <laughs> I wonder if there's a reason for that. But I do think he has the best line in the thing. Um, so uh, it's, I think it's, it's the first time Alex quits. He says, "Alex, Alex, you're walking away from history. History. Did Chris Columbus say he wanted to stay home? No." What if the Wright brothers thought only birds could fly? And did Galoka think the Ulus were too ugly to save? And Alex says, you know, who's Galoka? And Centauri, never mind. He says, listen, Centauri, I'm not any of those guys. I'm a kid from a trailer park. And here's, where, here's my best quote. Centauri says, if that's what you think, then that's all you'll ever be. And so that's that, that, that theme that runs through the whole mm-hmm. thing. They just keep beating it like a drum. And I just, I, I love that. Well, Jamie, you stole mine. <laughs> that was that was that was my best quote. When I when I heard that the first time I heard that in this movie, I said, "That's it. That's the winner right there." But luckily, I got a backup. Hey, there's a uh, lot of good ones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. There's there's some really great ones, and this was uh, one of the uh, the neighbors in the trailer park, Otis, the uh, the wiser black gentleman uh, in the trailer park. There, he says, "Things change. Always do." You'll get your chance. Important thing is, when it comes, you've got to grab it with both hands and hold on tight. And I really love the dynamic between Otis and Alex. Because it, yeah. really, it really felt like Otis was a father figure to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if, if we're all lucky, you know, we have that, that you know, sagely neighbor that we can, can kind of glean from. You don't always love about best quote, gentlemen. You guys pull these deep, <laughs> meaningful quotes. And I come to the table with, I'm about to get killed a million miles from nowhere with a gung-ho iguana that tells me to relax. <laughs> well, Sam, that was my number three. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, that was a great one. Yeah, the the interactions there with Alex and and Greg were so great. Yeah. Yes. And and you know the dynamic and personality too. Alex just so out of his element and overwhelmed, and you know really feeling his sense of mortality a million miles from Earth. And you know, uh, Greg just this heroic, you know, almost Spartan type of attitude. Yes, let's go get him. You know. <laughs> I like that. That relate that relationship is really good too. Just every and if Alex and Greg are near each other, you're, it's 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 going to be good. It's, it's worth good. watching. And and the thing is, Greg plays well off everyone. I think he played well off Centauri. You know, we were talking about the 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 Excalibur references, and there was even that line from from Greg, and that that was one of my runner ups when when he looks at Centauri and says, "Up to your old Excalibur tricks again, eh, Centauri." You know, that kind of thing. So, I mean, it's there. Yeah. All right. Well, um, <laughs> we have made many references to the era this movie was made in. Uh, so our next award is one of the episode specifics, and it's worst 80s thing. So, Dwayne, what is your worst 80s thing in The Last Starfighter? Well, it's these 80s effects. You know, <laughs> it- <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I love how, and it's a consistent thing in the '80s where you, they take the uh, the live action and they try to stick an, an an animation right next to it, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But you know, it it really uh it really you know shown how the ships work. It really was great for that design, but man, it will slap you right out of it sometimes. <laughs> Well, I'm going to jump in because I agree. That's what I've got. The, the, the dated digital effects, they're so bad. Man, when... <laughs> so when the gun... When they first gets on, like, the Centauri's, like, thing, and they fly up there, I'm like, well, that looks not great. But when they roll up to that R- R- Rilo's headquarters place, I just started laughing. <laughs> it's just so <laughs> awful looking. Yeah. Yep. Well, you know, I think obviously, I mean, that that is going to be your worst thing. I mean, in terms of, of 80s effects, you know, but I think you still do have to give them a little bit of props. Because like I said, I mean, this had not ever been done before. And, you know, even after this, they, they approached Dennis Muren and all of the, these different you know, special effects artists and tried to get them to understand this is going to be the future of the industry and nobody would buy it. Mm-mm. You know, the computer they used for this had previously like that computer had previously only been used for like the defense department. So like they had to multi, you know, repurpose this thing to be able to do computer graphics in, in a time where you didn't really have that. So, I mean, yeah, it stands out like a sore thumb. Uh, it's, you know, it's kind of like PS1 effects compared to, you know, what you're seeing now on a PS5 type of deal. I mean, oh, look yeah. at look at the original Tomb Raider versus now, you know, kind of deal. And, and it slaps you in the face right immediately. So, But the, but the, but the problem is, it's like, you know, we're, we're from there. We're used to seeing those early digital effects. Mm-hmm. And so we, we, even if we, you know, chuckle at it or just laugh really hard at parts, we're, we're, we're still sort of used to it. We can roll with it. And we remember yeah. that we, we remember this was cutting edge. So the reason I put this for the worst thing from the 80s, the worst 80s thing here, was because it makes it really hard to recommend this to somebody who doesn't already have some affection for it right. or some affection yeah. for the era. It's true. 
Yes, I, I don't know how to mean. If you haven't already seen this movie, like only, only person I can imagine recommending this movie to is somebody who's already like has vague memories of watching it and liking it. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, go ahead and rewatch it. You're gonna have a good time. Yeah, it's gonna look rough. You'll 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 have a good time. But as somebody who's you know under thirty, or you know doesn't remember early digital effects, I just I can't imagine recommending it to them. Right. And it's kind of a bummer because it's such a good movie. And you know yeah. a remake would stink. If they remade this movie now, it would be terrible. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, this is true. Because yeah. all, all of the earnest and sincerity would be just gone. And so, we, yeah, the, yeah, the effects would look better, but it wouldn't have the heart of the movie. And so, yeah, I agree. All right. So, so we're, we're tag teaming this thing. So, what's the best 80s thing in here? Same. All right. All right, so best thing is, you know, I just think this is, we we talked about, you know, we can accept some things. To me, this is just classic 80s science fiction. You know, all of the tropes that I grew up with that, that made me fall in love with Star Wars and Spielberg films, you can see the influences here. You can see the influences of E.T., the influences of Star Wars, the influences of Close Encounters, all of that stuff kind of comes together i think in the last starfighter so this like i keep saying it was a movie of its time and and it is it is it takes the best i think of ad sci-fi and kind of mixes it up and does its own version so um, even with the the et thing by the way you know they were wanting to put it in the suburbs originally and they thought okay that's too much like et so let's put them at a trailer park let's kind of Mix oh. it up. So. Well, I think that really worked. That worked out to their benefit. Mm-hmm. Um, my my best 80s thing is something Dwayne already threw a shade at. I think the practical effects look great in this movie. <laughs> uh, now, when they have the lineup of all the pilots, you could tell they didn't put a lot of effort to each individual one. But there's a lot of diversity of aliens. And I think the... Uh, oh, what's the uh, the Armada guys? The, uh, the guys that look kind of like uh, beef jerky with faces. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a good look. <laughs> but I, I and, and Greg looked really cool. Yeah. Um, the uh, Zor, the the main bad guy, the way they did his head thing. I mean, that was better than most Star Trek. You know, things they just glued to people's heads. I mean, I thought the practical effects looked really good. Well. That leads into my uh, best uh, award, too, because the best is the 80 special effects. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it really is. It's, it's, it is what it is. And they, it, sometimes they really excel. Sometimes it really shines. And sometimes it really, like I said, just slaps you right out of it. Sometimes they didn't put a lot of thought into the guys. And sometimes, you know, those costumes did work. You know, Greg worked completely the design of the gun start worked completely i loved the spacesuit that he that alex was in you know it seemed really practical and functional and not just you know a shiny space thing um you know it really worked you know some of the base design and other things you know didn't work but you know it really was a strength of the movie also as well as a weakness, but you know, it just, it was what it was. And and well, I, it was an era, just like you said, Jamie, it was an era and you, you almost have to have that loving affection 
for it. It's just, you know, it's just like, oh yeah, that, that is what it is. It's beautiful. Well, I think the, the benefit of the practical effects that I think, I think are missing a lot of new movies. If it, even if a digital thing looks really good, it doesn't feel present. It doesn't feel like it has weight. It doesn't feel like it's yeah. really there. With even like a mediocre practical effect, it's there. It feels real. And so even the, <laughs> you all laughed, but the uh, the beef jerky guys, I cannot think of their names. But like they they felt real. They were they reserved. They felt like they were really on set. And if they was if that was digital, and all those guys were just there with that one dude, I mean I, I don't know that it would have felt like a real set, like a real scene. I mean, I'm, I'm not being very, very articulate here, but you know what I mean? Like, the, the practical effects, I think, I, I, if, if they can be done practically, I prefer practical effects. It just it gives a more natural feel on the, on the... Well, like you said, it gives it a weight. It gives it a presence. It gives the actor something to handle, to deal with. Um, you know, even if they do have a weird malfunctioning red lens that goes over one eye <laughs> and just keeps opening and closing through the whole thing. I, did, I didn't get that, but... You Guys... Know, <laughs> this is once again we go back to I love classic Doctor Who so this is right up my alley <laughs> you should check out Tetraps and Alpha Centauri so. <laughs> I've seen some early Cybermen <laughs> yep yep well you know guys there is someone who can save the universe May not have to be a last starfighter to do it. He, you know, took out the whole mafia, you know, as revenge for his dog. He's traveled time to save his high school career. He's conquered the computer world to save mankind from the machines. Keanu Reeves has to connect to the last starfighter somehow. How can he not? This 1984 movie. Jamie, I'm sorry. How tough was this one? Does Keanu connect? Well, I, I saved myself some effort. Just a little bit of behind the curtain here. Um, after I watched this movie, I just I knew there was no chance anybody in the cast of this movie had ever started a movie with Keanu. So I just started with the crew. Started with the crew. Um, okay, so this week's Keanu Connection has just a mind-blowing filmography. He has worked... Uh, he's passed away recently, but he, he had worked on like 1960s TV shows. Um, like a long, amazing career. Um, he worked on some awesome stuff. I'm going to highlight just a few things. Here's some things that he worked on. Bad Boys 1 and 2. He has seen Bad Boys 2. Uh, <laughs> True Lies, Last Action Hero, which I will defend is a good movie. The Last Boy Scout, love that movie. Terminator 1 and 2, Days of Thunder, Star Trek 5. Not a good movie, but, you know, that's for, I put that on there for Sammy. Uh, Roadhouse. You. Die Hard and Lethal Weapon, Witness, Scarface, and Tron. Uh, there was also some garbage. <laughs> there was some really <laughs> interesting garbage on this list that he's worked on. Uh, Frankenfish. I don't know what that is. I looked at his filmography page. I still don't know what that is. <laughs> the Flintstones in Viva Rock Vegas. Psycho 4. Not the first three. The fourth one. Revenge of the Nerds. Two, not the first one, the second one. Uh, the Superboy TV show that I didn't know was a thing. Yes. Manimal. Something mm. called Death Car on the Freeway. <laughs> the Planet of the Apes TV show, which is, I'm willing to admit, is garbage. Uh, 
So Glenn R. Wilder has had an amazing career. And apparently when you work in stunts, you don't get the you don't always get the best offers. And you have to take what you're offered because this guy was working on amazing stuff surrounded by nonsense sometimes. So you just you gotta do what you gotta do for the paycheck. Uh, but for this movie, he was the entire stunt department. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> he was the stunt coordinator and the stunt man. He was it. Every single stunt in this movie was him. Well. <laughs> I know there weren't yeah. a lot, but they were all Glenn R. Wilder. Uh, so he was the entire stunt crew. He was also the stunt coordinator on Point Break and Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Yes. Glenn R. Wilder is this week's County Connection. <gasps> All right. <laughs> Not one, but three. <laughs> nice. Yeah. All right. So, Dwayne, what are we what are we reviewing next week? Well, gentlemen, we're reviewing a classic. The classic of cinema. Classic directors, classic actors, a classic genre. Spoof. <laughs> uh, we are reviewing a movie directed by Marty DeBerge. Uh, from this very year that we're reviewing this movie from today, 1984. This is Spinal Tap. And I see your puzzled look at the Marty DeBerge uh, reference there for the director. It's Rob Reiner. Uh, Marty DeBerge is his character in This Is Spinal Tap as he's interviewing the guys and making the movie. Because <laughs> <laughs> okay, I was pretty sure that was one of the few things I knew about this movie. It was directed by Rob Reiner. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's Rob Reiner. His character in the movie is Marty DeBerge. You have Christopher Guest, Michael McKeon, Harry Shearer, Fran Drescher. Um, um, yeah, I, I can't wait to get your guys' take on this thing. And I, th- I think me and Sam both... Um, have never seen this movie, not not from beginning to end. I so. have not seen it at all. I've heard of it. I've, you know, heard well, all the here, discussion. Here's oh. my DVD copy with oh. the black cover. The cover is black. There's none more black. It's sort of a, almost a pastel black. <laughs> so so Dwayne, Dwayne's pulling my mind tonight when I, as he rolls over to the movie <laughs> shelf. <laughs> Yeah, I had to get this thing. It's been sitting on my shelf for quite a while. You know, being in bands, uh, playing music and things, if you have any experience with that, this movie brings it to a whole other level uh, for that. And it's really, really fun. But, uh, you know, this movie is uh, not free anywhere but HBO Max. Uh, you can get it free there. Uh, as Jamie pointed out, it's a $5 purchase, $4.99 on Amazon Prime. Uh, most other services had it for about a 3 to $4 rental I saw. So if it's not on your shelf, it's not too big of a dive to invest in. Uh, uh, just a, a quick thing. Um, it's not rentable from Amazon. It's only purchasable from Amazon. Oh, it's only purchasable from Amazon. Yeah, okay. so if you want to rent it, you'll have to go elsewhere. Okay, well that's that's good to know. I uh, I seen the four ninety nine prices I was searching through. I just assumed that was a rental at that price point, but it's only purchasable. Okay, well that's well, that's still not a bad point. And you know you get Christopher Guest, you get uh, you know uh, Harry Shearer, you get Michael McKeon, Rob Reiner on screen in this thing. I mean it's it's a ton of fun. It's a ton of fun. So as as we are uh, warming up our copies of this is Spinal Tap, Jamie. 
We're going to turn it to 11 as we keep it nerdy.